Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TES International Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Worth. Today, we're talking with Liz Free, the CEO and Director of the International School Rheintal in Switzerland. We discuss the challenges and opportunities that the coronavirus situation has presented around CPD, building communities both in school and beyond, and how leaders can overcome this to help ensure staff at all levels maintain the connections they need to thrive as educators. Hi Liz, thanks so much for taking part in the TES International Podcast. Really great to have you uh, as a guest. And I think it'd be nice to start just to understand a little bit more about, you know, your you, your role. Obviously, I understand you moved into a new role during this year, during the pandemic, which must have been quite something. So maybe you can talk us through a bit about that as well. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Liz. I actually did a podcast back in January, I think it was. It's the last time I was in London. The last time I was in like a major big city and could buy <laughs> shoes and things. Anyway, but I'm, so I'm Liz Free. I'm director of the International School Rheintal, which is in Switzerland, in the German-speaking part of Switzerland. And before that, I actually moved in the summer during lockdown. Well, actually, we were open at that point, but during this COVID period. Uh, before that, I was at the British School in the Netherlands, and I was the founding director of the International Leadership Academy. And then before that, head teachers um, in the UK and the States. And I worked for Oxford University Press as head of their teacher professional development for uh, about five years as well. So I have an interest in PD, um, but my heart is in schools and how we can create amazing international school environments for our for future global citizens, mm. which is very important at the moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's a fantastic career history. You've clearly been, been in a lot of places and done a lot of things, which is great. And I suppose, was this year, though, for you particularly, and again, starting a new role during that pandemic, has that been sort of a challenge like no other? You know, did you find it, was it a seriously new set of sort of uh, hurdles to overcome? Well, I talk a lot about the global profession and how the opportunities within our profession are extraordinary. And I've lived all around the world, so I've taken advantage of those opportunities and I've grown professionally. Um, Is it ever simple to move countries, Mm. move roles, move your families, uh, no. So try, there is no kind of norm to that. However, in this period, has it been more, more challenging than perhaps normal? Then if, yes, of course it has. You know, we had to find accommodation um, when we couldn't visit the country. I was interviewed here in Switzerland for the role. And then it was the, it was the week the school actually went into lockdown. And in the Netherlands, we'd also gone into lockdown that mm. week. And so um, it meant that I, I was able to talk to my family. I have two children and my husband, and uh, they agreed to come with me on this adventure without having ever having seen the school, ever having seen the country, the part of the country that we were going to go to. Whereas normally that would be a little bit different. And so I think that the personal challenges um, and the complexity um, has been far more than it would normally be to mm. move internationally, which many teachers and school leaders have experienced this year. Um, but then also in terms of your schools, you know, I was unable to meet the parents face to face. I was unable to meet the students face to face. When I came for my interview with the staff, we had uh, the interview outside in the playground and all the staff were socially distanced and only those that were able to come in. So it was all a bit weird. And I think mm. it's a bit weird for me, but also a bit weird for the school. Yeah, that must be, it must be a, a, like you say, a very different way to meet your new, your new CEO in that, in that sort of distance way. I mean, obviously, we can see that your it looks like your books have been arrived and unpacked, which is good. Anyone? <laughs> My husband unpacked them, so goodness knows what order they're in. <laughs> <laughs> Alphabetical, or 
Well, my husband's dyslexic, so he did one year when we moved. To, well, actually, when we moved to the Netherlands, he did them in a color-coded fashion, right. color-coded and light. Well, but I think I, I think I've moved things on a bit since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. For anyone listening to the audio version, Liz has an excellent bookcase behind her, which is obviously what we're talking about here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, the challenge there, both the, the personal, the professional, and and for the people you're going to now, you know, you're now working with. Um, I guess that brings us nicely in some ways to, to the sort of theme of what we're going to talk about here, which is which is how can we maintain that idea of, you know, the global profession of teaching, the, the network of teaching, the teachers, you know, that, the benefits that come from that, the, the fun that comes from that, from engaging with one another at conferences, at events, you know, in school events, whatever it might be. Why do you think that is so important that we maintain that? You know, what are the things, you, are the things you're trying to do to ensure that that sense of normality around the, the networks the profession thrives on can continue? It's absolutely critical. If you look at this, if you're a domestic teacher listening, uh, you'll know that you'll um, get your information, your um, professional development. I mean, I mean professional development for you, just you, but for you and your community. So if you're looking to work out how you're going to manage the free school dinner issue at the moment, which is obviously raging in, in England, mm. um, you know, if you've got that conversation going on, you'll be talking to your school down the road. You'll be talking to your local authority, your trust, your academy group. In the international sector, it's different because you might be the only, if you're a British international school, for example, you might be the only British international school within hundreds and hundreds of miles. There isn't this natural network that you use as a sounding board that you do in an incidental way in a domestic system. Mm. And so the international community does that through networks like uh, COBIS, if you're a British international school. And I just read there's a really um, good piece in TES International from COBIS, I think yeah, today, I was reading it this mm. morning. Um, uh, from Colin Bell at, at um, COBIS that's talking about this this kind of very issue is how the teachers uh, can stay connected. So we use different things. So we use the professional bodies like COBIS, ECIS, CIS, and then we also use our curriculum um, groups. So like, I, I mean, we're an IB World School, so we're International Baccalaureate all the way through. So we use those organisations to help us. But they have historically relied on face-to-face -face methods so we would have, like you mentioned, the annual conferences, which are really important for school leaders, that they have a, a safe space where they can let off a little bit of steam too, but also um, learn from each other. And then we have things like IB workshops, which are a compulsory requirement of your curriculum. So just day-to-day -day business, you've got to have a level of connectedness to be able to operate. And we're not even talking about school improvement here. We're not even talking about how do you get your school to be um, an even more effective school, just to be able to basic operational level. Mm. So what I've seen in the last um, couple of months, and we were just discussing this as a staff uh, yesterday, is initially when we all went into lockdown, there was a steep learning curve, learning curve about how do we really do blended learning? How do we uh, move, rather than just moving our curriculum online, which won't, it won't work, um, how can we do that in a way that makes sense for students? And so there was a huge amount of learning across the profession and a lot of ways that we were doing that. So I think social media has been a massive resource um, in terms of use of Twitter, particularly for teachers. Uh, that seems to be the main way that people can quickly, if they need to know something, they put something up and say, we're doing this, what are you doing? Mm. Um, and I've noticed now, like, like my uh, IT lead at ISR, he has an amazing network that he's developed across international schools. I think there's about 60 or 70 schools in the network. And they have this like little secret code where they, they kind of all email each other. They're all on this distribution list. And so it's, it's forced or encouraged, probably both, mm. uh, the community to take ownership of its own learning. And that's a good thing, uh, as opposed to relying on other people like IB or whoever else saying this is the event that you come to and you physically attend. Mm. 
So it's meant that we've had to be quite creative, but the risk is, of course, that we might leave some people behind because it's reliant on high uh, confidence and a degree of skill in this use of technology. Mm. Yes, that's a good point, isn't it? That like, so it's, it's, it's great to see people organically creating their own networks, but sometimes you do need that thing created for you to go and, and sort of be forced into an environment or, or be told things or, or hear from people you, you might not hear from, you know, kind of get a different view on something. And if you create your own networks, there's a tendency to self-select, isn't there, an echo chamber somewhat. And okay, that's a, that's a big issue in society in general. But it, do you think there's, how do we balance that then? Or is there ways that, do you see that is progressing, that people are still finding ways to connect with outside their obvious audience? Or do you think that's something that we need to still, that needs to develop more? Yeah, it's a really good point. And I think the the benefit and the risk of the international community, the benefit is that we're international. If I look at my own school, I've got over, I think, uh, 48, 50 nationalities, a really diverse teaching population. So already with this extra, extraordinary kind of hot pot of um, education, pedagogies, beliefs about education. And so we're really enriched in that way. Uh, I think the challenge going forward is how do we get the best of all worlds is we should have our own networks and replicating that with digital formats and online formats as opposed to -to face-to-face is useful Uh, and I think we should do that more I think that that's a good thing Uh, I also think that we just as we are in schools looking at how we can use a range of different um, mediums for education. And of course, when we're not in lockdown at the moment, mm. um, but the numbers, I mean, we've all been watching, it's the same in, in England and mainly you know, across Europe. Um, we're seeing increased countries going into partial lockdown or lockdown. So the chances of that happening here, I'd say are reasonably uh, high at this point. So we're really thinking about that in terms of our students. And we need the, the bodies that would ordinarily support us to be doing the same. So the copuses of the mm. world, the um, IB. And what we don't want is just trying to take face-to-face content and putting it online. We want deep thinking around how do you uh, engage with professional learning and take the principles. If we talk about being a research and evidence-informed profession, how, what do we know about um, adult professional learning for impact? And the TDT have done some obviously amazing work in this field and are developing, you know, they're developing great teaching report, which they've now developed even further into subject specific um, professional learning Mm. and that they use that evidence base for that professional learning and they need to move quickly because we're doing it already. Now I've had all of my staff this year, nobody is flying anywhere. Like many schools, we've put Mm. a, um, a block on all travel. And so we're now moving our staff onto uh, like IB uh, workshops. All of them are now online. In the past, everybody hated them and didn't want to do it because they wanted the face-to-face um, mm. experience. Uh, but what we're now seeing is that there's a, I think there's a bit of a change of mindset as well. So I actually start mine. I start mine today. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think leading by example as well. So mm. I, I'm going to give it a go and, um, and make sure that I invest in it in the way that I would if it was face-to-face that I give it the time, that I give myself and my staff the permission. And we've been talking a lot about that, about, you know, should staff be in school or not in school when mm. they're engaging in online learning? Yeah, well, that's, you- well, that is a very question. And it, we talked about this, didn't we, just before we started recording and, and you were saying about that sort of balance of staff. If you're going to do stuff online, it feels different. It feels somehow less real sometimes, maybe. Maybe that's something we're all getting used to and we'll st- in time we'll stop thinking like that. But it sounds like you're taking quite a proactive approach in saying, you know, and correct if I'm wrong, but in saying, no, if you're doing something online, that's just as the same as if you'd have flown somewhere and were at a conference and were unavailable, you know, it's the same thing. You take the time and, and that means you're doing it properly. And it's not this thing that, oh, I should feel guilty because I'm sat at home on my computer. It's no, you're doing 
CPD or you're engaging in the network, give it your give it your full attention. I mean, is that is that would you say that's the approach you're taking? And if so, is is that what is what's required really? Uh, yes, it is. But it wasn't that we just said we were all righteous about it mm. and, and said that this is the right thing to do. It really challenged, I mean, my own thinking, you know, I've worked in professional learning for a long, long time and, and write about it and speak about it all of the time. So, you know, I know that professional learning for school improvement is the way that we get to outstanding international schools. I know that. Mm. Uh, but when you're faced with a critical situation where your core business, all of our energies are focused on making sure that we can have a continuity of learning for our students, then you start to let go of some of those other things because you're in a critical situation. So you're focusing on the core. And in doing so, it also really reveals your true beliefs. Because if you really believe that professional learning is the route through, well, then that has to remain core in your provision. And as a leadership team in a school, you've got to prioritize it. And so if you're, sorry about that, I don't know why I'm I'm beeping away here. Um, But if you're prioritizing it, then you're saying it's of value and it makes, sorry, makes a difference. It's going to keep going. I don't know how to turn it off. I've got a new, this is the other thing, new school, you have new systems. I've now gone from a a Microsoft school into an Apple school. So yes, apologies for the notifications. You might get a few more in a minute. (laughs) So um, as a school, we made the decision after lots of discussion about, because our gut was kind of this, Oh, it feels a little bit, I and mean, we were saying, I can't use the word gratuitous, that, you know, we're all at full pelt in school and then we're sending someone home to do an IB course online. Mm. And in the past, if you were doing online learning, it's generally in your own time. That's kind of the, the feel about it. But actually it's not right. Is if we value it as a school and we would normally spend thousands and thousands of um, Swiss francs to send that member of staff to somewhere else to spend you know, two days on a workshop, which includes flights either side. Mm. And yet this person is asking for one day to do the same thing. Well, we've already saved loads of money. We've saved loads of time. We've reduced the impact on stu- staff being out so in terms of the continuity of student learning and the staff have still got the um, opportunity to engage in that learning Mm. so when i think about it it's logical but it did take us a journey to get to that point where we had to move our own thinking about it yeah that's interesting and it's interesting to hear how honest you are about that it it wasn't an easy sort of oh yes we have to treat it as important but it was a sort of oh yeah is it the same how do we manage that was that an easy process to sort of come to that conclusion or did you have to sort of, you know, you yourself, did you start thinking, oh, it's not the same and you had to sort of realise that it was or was there other members of staff who were more sort of, or should we say less convinced by that? I mean, how did that discussion play out? I think um, teachers are le- not, I don't know if less convinced, but they, they are so diligent in what they do. Our teachers work really hard all of the time. And so there's, there's something like almost that they're letting the side down mm. by needing to have this time. And so again, as leaders, we've got to be really clear that we see this as a priority for their work as an educator in our organization. It is not a nice to have. And so this comes down to your core beliefs actually around what do you really believe around professional learning? And if you do see it as you know, part of the job and what you have to do, well, then it's a no brainer. Although I still had, I remember someone come to me this week who um, uh, she, she's doing a, one of the IB programs at the moment and they're intensive. You know, the online ones are intensive. You have to do reading, you have to engage with other schools. You've got to make appointments to, to do all of that. And she asked whether she could finish early, um, which meant that she would be, she'd already had two free periods. So she would just leave the school so that she could do it at home. And there was somehow this idea that if she was at home, it was, 
it was that she was going to take advantage of something or people might think she's taking advantage of something. So I think we have to tell the story of it um, really clearly. So I, I think it's not a free for all. And we don't kind of want a jobs worthiness of though, oh, this is my PD time. I'm now off. You know, that's the yeah. end of that. Um, but it has to come down, like all things, I suppose, it's the culture of your school. Yes. And and that, there's a trust in the school. Yes, that, that, the, the, the culture word there is an important one, isn't it? Because you can imagine there might be some people listening here, whether they're leaders or, or you know, other members of staff who sort of think, well, it wouldn't work in our school because there would be that sort of presenteeism problem or there would be a culture of, oh, well, if you're not in school, you, you can't be doing something as good. And I mean, okay, okay, it's still early days in, this, in the pandemic and we hope maybe that things will turn back to normal, but we don't know when and we don't know when travel will be easy. So do you, would you say, you know, in your experience, is it a case that, people should probably get on board with this idea of the remote professional development and providing that correctly, because it's, it's going to be here for at least a little while longer. Well, I think it depends. It's do you want your school to improve? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the basic question is, are you going to stay in kind of critical incident operational mode or are you going to say, actually, this is, this is now the new, this is now our normal. Mm. It's not even the new normal. It is our um, normal. Yeah. <laughs> and we're here. This is, this is what we're doing. And we have a duty of care to our students. And again, if we believe in the research evidence that we read around, how do you have high quality teaching and learning? Well, then our teachers need to know what high quality teaching and learning is. And our understanding of that changes over time as more research comes through, as different approaches are developed. And in the international community, it's the constant conversation because we have so much information. Mm. So we have to have this time to interrogate it. So I, I would say that you, you, you have to engage in this in some way. It doesn't mean you have to be online, but if you're not online, how are you going to do it? And so having a clear route through as to how are you improving your school? And it might be that you're, you're using this time to really harness the potential of the staff that you already have. We're a very small school, so we really um, need to be very selective in uh, what, how we use ourselves, but also the stuff that we don't have in our school and that we can access that quickly. Um, so it doesn't mean it has to be online or it has to be remote or it has to be. In fact, PD never has to be anything, but it's about how, how are you developing as a professional to be the very best professional in your role? And that, that's the question that I would be asking staff and I'd be asking school leaders. And then once you've identified what that is, you then look at the best method for delivering that. And I think we've just got to be okay. And actually more than okay, it's cheaper. It's significantly cheaper yeah. and less impactful in terms of negative impact on um, students by having staff online. Mm. I think when we get to, when we get to the, I, I, I must feel like Game of Thrones, you know, winter is coming. It feels yeah. a bit like that. Yeah. So once we, once we get through the winter and we get into the spring, uh, I think it's then a really great opportunity to re- reflect and think, actually, what have we benefited from this? I think our personal networks have grown bizarrely mm. in a different way to the way that they would have previously. We're probably working more efficiently in terms of our time. And I hope that we would still keep that aspect of what we've learned while still, um, whilst then reconnecting physically, because I do miss that mm. as a, a teacher and a, um, a school leader, director, I, I've missed the fact, you know, I would normally be at the leadership conferences a couple of times a year where I'd be with other leaders, school leaders and thinkers in education. And I use that time, you talk about mental health and well-being, to have that step aside from the operational where you go, 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 go. And, and that's how I kind of fill up my, my well mm. of reserve. Mm. And, and that does concern me a little bit. But how are we doing that as a profession? How are we looking after the leaders in our schools? 
Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. Imagine a world where suddenly travel is open again and everyone's like, oh, fantastic conferences. And a member of staff comes to you and says, oh, I really want to go on this three-day conference and I have two days flying and it'll cost us this much. And do you think well, you look at that and go, oh, yeah, but we could do it online and save all the money and you'd be... Uh, I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> so, it's so true. <laughs> but the benefits of face-to-face, of that kind of other style of networking, again, is it going to be just become a more of a balancing act about the ones that more judicious choice of where staff go and for how long for yeah i think that's exactly it and i think it's going to be we're going we're going to be yeah we're going to interrogate it more particularly from the ib point of view mm. um, I, I think we've you know, ib programs are extremely expensive comparatively compared to others um that do similar kind of things of course they're obligatory so there's always this feeling that you've got to do it and do you really get that return on the quality of some of them some of them mm. yes some of the feedback i get from both my staff here in the netherlands and when i was in the states as well is that actually some of them uh, have not been as good as perhaps they could be and so if i've if we've got the option to do that online as staff then we would we'd probably do it online mm. if it was a compliance-based requirement uh if we're looking at real you know, long-term programs of sustained um, development, then, uh, yes, I I think we're going to be more selective, but we're going to invest more. So we'll do the stuff we have to do. We'll be the kind of incidental, you know, we'll do that within our local environment. And then when we do go somewhere else, whether it's to go and visit another school in another part of the country or another country um, and go and do a tour of other schools, or if it's going to a conference, I think we'll do that, but with a clearer outcome in mind. Because I think I think the the idea of um, have uh, justifying it and having you know the COVID you know starting with the end in mind uh, stuff I think we'll have more of that, but I do think it is important to connect, and in the international community, you know if you look at all the data as to why would a teacher you know leave their home their family everything that they know and go on this kind of crazy adventure, uh, and one of the reasons one of the I think it's about seventy odd percent is generally cited um 70 percent of uh, people considering it are doing it because they want the inter- they want the travel aspect mm. of being international and so there's something about the demographic and the makeup of international teachers which means they've got itchy feet <laughs> yeah so and thinking about you know i want to keep my staff so recruitment retention and and yes so i've got all the school improvement side i want to drive my 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 uh, standards in my school but i also want to keep i want to keep my staff in my community too so I think it's probably going to be a negotiation, but it will be a really great conversation about what do we do and why do we do it and mm. what don't we do and why are we not doing it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no, that's a good point. And particularly that point about, like say, people who work international, in international schools are sort of by nature going to have an international mindset and want to travel, as you say. D- do you sense or have you seen staff missing that? Not, not just for the benefit of actually when you get to the place and you go to the conference and you engage people, but just getting to say, oh, I'm having some... I'm going somewhere, you know, like going on a course from your living room. Yeah. Okay. It's convenient and it's cheaper, but it's not, it doesn't have that buzz maybe of packing your bags and heading off to the airport and going somewhere new. And, you know, do you, do you, do you miss that? Are other people missing that just almost, you know, just for the, for the joy of it? Yeah, I, 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 I do miss it. And, um, you know, I've traveled a lot of my career, um, mm. in re- recent years and yes, I, I miss the, the energy of a new place, uh, a new environment, a new city, a new country, and um, but for me, I'm I'm missing I'm missing the, the people connection mm. around that as well. It's not it's not just about the it's it's the, it's the it's those informal conversations once the almost when the, the kind of content section of the day is over and you all kind of slump in a sofa <laughs> in a hotel or somewhere. You know, usually quite dodgy hotels actually, but you know, you can be in, in some dodgy hotel somewhere. And it's that conversation you have, mm. um, incidentally, you know, over a coffee or a glass of wine. 
And that, that's what I'm missing. But what I'm seeing, and this is really interesting as well, is that now more groups are starting to put together um, networks. So it started kind of informally. I had a group of new head teachers and CEOs across Europe. I got contacted by them and said, look, there are six of us. Do you want to join our club? <laughs> we're going to meet once every, uh, you know, every four weeks. And, um, you know, you can bring your coffee with you. And we're just going to have, we're going to try and replicate the dodgy hotel sofa conversation uh, in, in on an online format. So I think there are ways around it. But Does I... that work well? Does it work well? It, it does. And I've now got one of two. I've had another um, head contact me this week and said, Liz, can we do, uh, you know, can we do drinks later this week? So sort of seven o'clock at night, you've got all these head teachers and principals mm. with their, their coffees and their Diet Cokes um, speaking to each other online. So I think that is really good because I think if we carried on in this isolation, I, I don't know how sustainable it is. Mm. Because we've also got, it's, it's not just the you know, the huge pressure that is on um, school staff right across the board from, you know, from uh, facility staff to your tech teams, to your teachers, to your leaders, everybody is affected. But what we also see in the international community, and I'm starting to really see it now, is is it started off almost as, as this kind of critical incident, everybody hands on deck. Um, but it also meant that many of our inter schools and staff have not been able to travel. And it's not travel for gratuitous, go and lie on a beach in Greece. It's their families and their homes. Most staff would, uh, in the international sector, would go home um, every year or every two years to see their families mm. and friends in their, their home or um, country that they resonate with. This hasn't happened. For many people, it didn't happen over the summer. We've just gone through midterm break and I had to turn several staff down that they weren't, weren't able to travel. Well, they were, but they had to, because of quarantine here, there's two weeks quarantine and they've got to be fit to work. Mm. So they couldn't go home. And if you're at the age where you're working in the international community, by default, you're usually at least late 20s or kind of in that 30s, 40s. Well, that comes with two things. It often comes um, or can come with children, but it also comes with elderly parents. Mm. And so what happens, and I'm seeing it with my own staff, I've got lots of staff, whether they're from the States or South Africa or the UK or other parts of Europe, um, that now have got parents who are poorly mm. and they've not seen them now for nearly a year. They're not gonna see them at Christmas. We know that that's highly unlikely. And we've just seen yesterday, more measures coming in from Germany. Um, so, you know, the, the personal impact now is be, being felt. Mm. And I think that is gonna have an impact on, on our international community uh, in terms of potentially retention. Mm. I think we might see, it might encourage some people, they just wanna go home. Yes, that's, that's obviously is a, is a sad reality and, and totally an understandable one for many people if they, they do feel that pull back to be at home and, and have to do that. But I suppose not a lot you can do about that as a leader because you've got to you know, respect people's sort of decision to do that. But one, one strand of that that strikes me is it must be quite hard, and maybe this is where those networks with other leaders, particularly you know, for like yourself, help, is doing that, turning those requests down, having to look someone in the eye and say, I'm sorry, you can't go back. That must be very hard to do when you know that their request is genuine and it's, it's meant with, there's a real need for it, but obviously you've got to balance the school's needs as well. And the, you know, the, the pupils needs, you know, again, is that, is that quite hard? Is that where those support networks of other heads that you can just say, Oh God, it was a really tough week because I had to turn down these requests. That must be important. It's a terrible situation to be in. And there is usually an unspoken rule. We have all of our contracts and all the rest mm -hmm. of it, but in the international community, we all know that if you've been in, in the community for some time, at some point, you are going to be faced with a situation where you need to leave. Mm. Um, you need to be with uh, something critical has happened within a, a family or friendship group. And we all understand that. We all know it happens. We all hope it doesn't happen, but it does. And 
the what always happens in my entire career, I've always experienced this, that teachers pull together. And if that member of staff says, I've got to go, my I've got a parent that is critically ill. And we we all pull together. So they might go home, go to their home country for a week. We all cover, nobody moans, we cover everything. It's not a problem. And in this instance, you know, I had several staff come to me a few weeks ago um, around this half-term issue. And they, in normal circumstance, you would say, of course, you know, if you feel in your heart that you have to go, you must go. Because mm. what you don't want is a member of staff, for example, not making it back and a parent dying, which is something we don't want to talk about, but it, it is a, something mm. we have to face in the international community. And so the line feels like it's shifted because I can't have five of my staff out. Uh, we now get into the position, if I've got five of my staff out, I've then got the usual illnesses, then I've got possible COVID cases, in which mm. case they need to self-isolate for 14 days. I could very realistically be in the position where I need to close my school. Mm. And th that is a last, absolute last resort. So we have to protect our capability to deliver. So, but the conversation that I had and that I've had with some other colleagues as well is that what, all you can do is be, as a leader, which I think is the same as normal, is you need to be transparent, you need to be fair, and you need to explain what the, what, why you're in this position. And yeah. you just said to me, there's not a lot you can do about staff wanting to go home. There is stuff that you can do. Uh, I think talking about it as a staff, we talk about it frequently. I talk about my own experience. I've got elderly parents. My dad had had a transplant. I've now not seen him since January. Um, and so, you know, because I want to make sure I keep him safe and I don't mm. want him at risk. So talking about it as a school, I talked about it with all of the staff that came to me. And then I talked to it with all of the staff. So I've spoken with every, everybody and explained the situation. And that what I've said, and I think many schools have said the same, is this is our position because we need to keep our schools open and we need to keep you safe as a member of staff as well. However, we are, you know, there is humanity in this. And if you absolutely feel that, that you know, there's a critical situation or you must, you really need to go, then as a school, we would absolutely support that member of staff. But these are the difficult conversations that we have to have is marrying the needs of your school, the needs of your whole staff and the needs of your individual staff. And so I think just being really open about it is the best way forward. Mm. That's obviously a sort of an emotive topic. And I think, um, what you were saying about for you as a leader, like, you know, you can have these networks, you can turn to them at the end of the week and say, well, that was a tough week, you know, for the staff, both in your school and maybe staff to communicate globally, like you said, they don't, they can't just meet up with a friend who works at a school down the road so easily. Is there a way, I mean, can you facilitate it or are you aware that these sort of connections are going on as well in the, in the other levels of the school that staff are sort of able to communicate as a, as a community and, and you know, WhatsApp or, or globally, you know, again, is it, can you provide for that or does that, does that happen? Does that happen? Do they sort that out themselves? I think it's a balance of the two. I think modeling it as well as, yeah. uh, as a leader, showing that you're, you're investing in, in that and it's perfectly reasonable and okay to have those kind of conversations. Um, I do that. There's lots of networks that, that I do that with. And I also direct the staff to them as well. Mm. So it depends on the sort of school you're in, you know, and how um, uh, tech savvy and how tech comfortable, particularly on the social media side. And I'd say my school that I've come to, I've come from a school that is extremely um, uh, uh, comfortable with social media to a school that perhaps is less comfortable. And so I've been, I've been doing modeling it myself and I'm talking with individual staff and then I'm putting in, them in touch with other people. So I'm kind of can be the conduit for that. And mm -hmm. I do that through things like, um, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm involved with Women Ed, so I'm the strategic lead for Europe and Asia. So, you know, that means I know quite a lot of people around the world. 
So I had somebody come to talk to me about something the other day and I've connected them with a colleague in Singapore. Um, another colleague contacted me from Malaysia <laughs> that was interested in something and I've connected them with somebody here in Switzerland. So I think we can all do that as educators is, is putting uh, people in touch with each other. And, and I also think, it's a, sorry, go on. Were you connecting them there professionally or, or personally or was it a bit of both? Both, mm. both. Uh, I think about what that, their, their need might be. And I, I see this as, uh, you know, I've got multiple hats on. So as the, I've always got the, the, the needs of my school uh, first. <laughs> so the needs of my students and my school is at my, my, uh, one of my priorities. But I also, as a professional within education, I have a duty of care to the profession. Mm. And so when I see a member of staff, I mean, it's the same when you look at your staff, if they want to move on, is you can either make it very difficult for them, or you can say, actually, you want to move on, therefore, it's your right time, time to go. So I'm going to make this the very best possible experience for you, mm. because you're going to be the advocate for my school when you leave. You know, if you're a great teacher, a great school leader, you're going to go on to brilliant things. Maybe one day you'll come back. Mm. Uh, maybe we'll work together in the future, but you're going to advocate for this school. So it's the same kind of thing, really. So we have to look out for each other mm. and uh, look after the, the whole person. And I think this is a real challenge for new staff. You know, I started new in the school this year. I have made no friends. I have no friends. <laughs> so anyone wants to be my friend, please do. Um, so I have no friends here in this area outside of school. Mm. Uh, because I've, you know, you come in, your focus is on your school community. And, you know, I'm here with my family, which does make it a bit easier because, <clears throat> excuse me, my husband might not say that, but, <laughs> but it does because you have, at least you've got, you know, I come home, I talk to the kids, talk to my husband, Jake. Yeah. But if you're a single teacher um, traveling and you've moved in the summer and you've been head down in to work, you know, the winter, if you're in um, the Northern Hemisphere, obviously the winter's kicking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we ensure that we keep those teachers connected? And it's always a risk in the international community at this time of year, actually. November and January are the times when we see most of the mental health type issues starting to surface for new teachers in the international circuit or a new teacher to your school. I think we're going to see more and more of that. Uh, and we need to, I wonder if there's some work that we can do within our networks to connect newly uh, new teachers to an environment because they need both that global reach, but they also need a local network. They need somebody that they can, um, if you're still open, of course, you could go to the pub on Friday night. Mm. That isn't someone connected to the school. You know, it's someone completely independent um, of that. And I think we need to do more work there. Yeah. Yes, that is a hard one, isn't it? Like, how can you create that buzz of being in a school, particularly when you're a new member of staff? Like you say, getting to know your colleagues after work and, and going for a beer or, or going for a dinner or, you know, whatever it might be. That's really important and very hard to replicate that online. And it can be done and we've all done Zoom quizzes and Zoom drinks and all these things, but it it isn't really, it's much easier to do that when you know the people you're conversing with and your your friends already and there's in-jokes and so forth. Much harder when you're a new member of staff. I mean, have you found any ways to try and make that work and trying things out? Yeah, you can do, um, so it's like obviously Meetup is, uh, you recommend lots of the, the, um, um, Kind of, there's your standard ones, which will be local and local people. But there's also um, several huge, uh, I can't, I'm trying to think of the name of it because they always email me, uh, that are kind of cater towards the international community within cities. And so you can sign up to those. So you're trying to get a connection outside because if you're in your home country, you naturally got, you've got people around you that are nothing to do with education. And sometimes you need that. You need somebody who, who is you know, is not talking about school stuff all yeah. of the time. <laughs> Although it's good to talk about it. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, having somebody that has a completely different perspective. So uh, I think 
I think that's important. And also trying to encourage staff to do that. So highlighting it, asking them what they did. Um, but I, it's tough. It is tough because if you've never met somebody to then suddenly have, you know, a Zoom quiz with a group of people you've never met before, um, it's a bit weird. But maybe that's our mindset. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting earlier, you said, didn't you, that like, we have to, at least now, it's not that we were in crisis mode. We were in all dealing with this crazy new situation. But maybe now is the time that the mindset has to change to sort of, okay, well, this is, like you say, the phrase, the new normal is, has already become overused, but that's where we are. Like, this is just the way it is. And, you know, us talking like this and, you know, doing a Zoom interview like this is, that's the way it is at the moment. This is how these things work. And if we do that, and if we just recalibrate to that, maybe that helps lessen the impact of the negative impacts of that because we just the mindset changes away from oh when will we get back to normal and having to just accept that it might be like this for a little while yet how has it been in tears because obviously that's a different working environment mm. so if you had new staff so obviously you must have had new staff start since the kind of lockdown in this this covid period and how, how have you integrated them into your teams yeah, well, we, it's a good question. We've, we've done things like, you know, we sort of arrange for people to call them on Zoom and have like one-to-one chats to get to know people in the way that you might meet someone new in the office and you know, they'd be introduced to you and you'd have a quick chat over a cup of coffee or something. It's a bit like that, like just chatting on Zoom. And I would say it works pretty well. You know, you can have a bit of, bit of a chat and get to know someone. And obviously, the more you do that, the more you get to know them. And we talk a lot on, you know, Slack and so forth as well. And so again, it, it helps when you've met the person face-to-face to then be able to message them and say, oh, can you sort that out and so forth. Um, and, and certainly during the sort of more of the summertime when this was starting up, there was or had been in place for a couple of months. We did there was company you know quizzes and there was a disco one time on Zoom and things like that. And certainly we didn't ask. No way. Was that like with headphones and everything? Well, I don't know quite how it worked. Now there was like the, the music was being played through the host, and then everyone could sort of join in and, <laughs> and listen. And it, it was kind of fun, you know. We're all, we're all a bit awkward, but it was good laugh, good laugh. And and then the smaller teams, we've done things yeah like weekly quizzes for a while and silly games and just just trying to have that the same kind of Friday feeling. Has that all tapered off now? Because I'd say the same is that we did that all in the kind of first bit, but it's not happening anymore. I think it's tapered off. I think that's partly because of people are busier because this time of year, everyone always is busier. Things, you know, the, the September to December is such a busy time. I think the time to do it is less. And I think, yes, the impetus to do it has dropped somewhat. However, I think people know it's important. Like we were actually, you know, our team were going to do one today and because of circumstance of people suddenly being off and having lots of work to do, we've had to postpone it. But I think everyone knows it's important and it won't get forgotten about. It will happen. It might be next week. It might be next Friday, for example. But it feels like, to me anyway, it feels like it's important and we know it's important because you can't spend three, four weeks relentlessly working and not having that social interaction with your, your colleagues. Um, and obviously, like I said, that's easier for when you know people, harder when you're new. And I, I hope you know, new members of TES that have joined in the last sort of few months have been made to feel welcome. And certainly the ones I've sort of engaged with, um, there's a chap called Joshua on our social team. And we, you know, I've got to know him quite well. I've never met him in real life, but we get on well. We work together well. And I've had a few Zoom calls with him. Um, so I think it shows it can be done, but I guess there's a limit to eventually you do need the face-to-face connection. But when that will be back, we don't know. And you've, and you've had to be intentional in, in, what, in what you've done in a, in a way that you've maybe not had to think about it before. And that's, that's what we have to do in schools as well. Mm. I think Tez should do like a Friday night, different time zones. Like, I don't know, disc, I love the idea of Tez disco. <laughs> yeah. That's gotta be, that's gotta be a thing. I can, I can, you mean, I can DJ it and I'll put, I'll put some like, yeah, let's on do and, it. Yeah. Well, I'll connect. 
<laughs> this is not how I expected this podcast to go with me being asked to host an international school disco, but I like it. It's good. We'll have a think about it, see what we can do. <laughs> but this is what it's about, right? This is like the, the innovation that you have to bring to the, this weird scenario that we're all in that no one ever probably really ever or almost certainly never thought about. And to bring the joy, you know, mm. is in, in such a, I mean, I've just been writing today. So every week we have the newsletter that, you know, that goes out to parents and, that, and I, you know, I've been writing about the impact on, on young people of this time period. You know, they see on the news, we keep saying, oh, it's fine. It's fine. You know, we, we've got this. It's okay. But then they see, you know, this week our staff started wearing masks um, mm. in the corridor. It's a, a requirement here. Um, you know, things are changing. They're hearing the news. And so there's this real um, volatility um, around us. It's almost palpable. And so trying to find ways to acknowledge that and still bring s- some, some pleasure and laughter and joy is, is, in, is important. Mm. And uh, I mean, it made me laugh. I was reading a Tess article this morning from the, the teacher who'd written about um, uh, the school band. Yes. Don't, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of thing we need. And that made me laugh about, do you, if anyone's not read it, you need to go and search, you know, the, the, the Tez article on the, um, on the school band and design technology teachers particularly, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, I thought that was a really good example of, and we do that in international schools as well, probably more so because the school does become your social hub mm. as well as your um, work hub. And so finding ways to, to have the school band and that everybody, you know, whether they're very talented in that or not, but just have joy in being, uh, we need to do that. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should have an international school band competition as well. And everyone could submit Let's it. do it. Uh, we can... oh, we've, had, we've, we've, we've hatched an amazing plan today. This has been time well spent. Yes, and this is proving the value of online networking and communication, which is great. <laughs> You've got your TES International Awards coming up. You should, you should have an option for your, you should have like, you know, best, best, a uh, staff band. Yes, I think that's. And then the winner Come can, on, that's can play. Worthy it. of an award. Whenever, whenever <laughs> we host a real event again, we can um, have the the bands can can fly over and play and live out their dreams of rock and roll stardom for one night. That sounds good. Yes, they could even play at the event. Yeah, that would yeah. be amazing. How good would that be? I think I think that's a perfect sort of moment of of hope and wonder to to end on there. And that's a really nice idea. <laughs> Brilliant. It's been great fun. I love the TESS podcasts. I think, again, it's a way that we can um, stay connected with each other and to, um, and to profile our international community as well. So thank yeah. you. No, thank you. I know, I know there's a teacher in Dubai, for example, who, who said he listens to it on, the, on his drive to work when there's a new one that comes out. So again, it's nice that, you know, that connection is, can still take place in that way and ideas and thoughts and little, little you know, vignettes of, of international school life can sort of be passed around like that, which I think is really important. So, yeah, no, great to have you involved. And, um, yes, I look forward to speaking again in the future, no doubt. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>